This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I'm the Senior Editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining me today. In 2010, we had an earthquake in the island of Haiti on January 12th. It was a total disaster. More than 200,000 people were killed and thousands decided to leave Haiti for the United States. Many entered the state of Florida and 4,000 refugee students entered Florida public schools during the 2009-2010 school year. What impact did they have on the students of Florida? Is this a case where immigrants undermined the learning of U.S. citizens who had gone to their local public school all of a sudden to see it transformed? To answer that question, or at least to address it, I have with me today David Figlio, professor at Northwestern University, who's taken a good look with his co-author, Umut Ozek, into this question, the influx of Haitian refugees in Florida. David, it's great to have you with me on the Education Exchange. Thanks for having me. Well, David, let's just start with some basics here. You say that there are 4,000 students that came to Florida, where, where in Florida did they go? So um, they were distributed um, all over the state, but almost all of them ended up in um, four different uh, parts of Florida. So the three um, large counties in Southeast Florida, Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach, as well as Orange County, where Orlando is. A handful of students ended up in places like Jacksonville and Tampa and St. Petersburg, but more than 90% of the Haitian refugees came to those four places. So 4,000 students concentrated in very specific locations. That's, that's not a trivial number, is it? It's not. And in fact, of course, the students weren't randomly assigned um, within those counties either. They were disproportionately um, being integrated into schools that already had uh, non-trivial numbers of Haitian um, uh, of Haitian Americans or um, or Haiti-born uh, incumbent students. So you had some uh, some of these schools uh, where this represented three, four, five percent increase nearly overnight in the set of uh, students in the school. So. How did, I mean, first of all, were there separate schools set up for them? I know they did that in Germany with the Syrian refugees, and that's been done in a lot of other places around the world. So did they set up special settings for them to go to before they came into the regular school, or, or how was that done? So the answer really seems to be no. Um, the school systems um, and uh, Department of Children and Families worked really hard to, um, to get these students um, settled in schools almost immediately. Uh, so there weren't special schools set up. There were, they were going, these kids were going to um, enrolling in uh, Florida public schools, sometimes as early as four or five days after the earthquake, you started to see increases in the number of students. And almost every one of these students um, was enrolled in a school within a month after the earthquake. Well, were they put in special classes then, just, just for the Haitian immigrants to sort of bring them up to speed or to begin to teach them English as a second language? I've heard, um, 
I've heard um, stories about both full integration into classrooms as well as some cases in which there were some there were some special classes. But generally what happened is, again, these are large numbers of students in one dimension, but small numbers in other ways. Um, um, it was very rare that you saw any you saw any schools where there was such a huge number of students that you'd be able to go in um, uh, whip up a few extra teachers right away to start teaching these students. So as a consequence, really, for the most part, from what I can tell from, again, interviews I had with, um, with people in the school systems and the like, is most of these kids were just integrated right into the schools without a tremendous amount of wraparound supports. Well, how about the federal government? I mean, these were the Obama years when the federal government was helping out places in need. So that you get a lot of federal money coming into Florida to facilitate the integration of the Haitian refugees into the Florida school system? Very little from what I can tell. Um, um, there certainly was some federal money and some state money, but again, my when I've talked to uh, school district officials here, we're talking pennies, really. I mean, not a tremendous amount of money. Well, how about the refugees themselves? Were these a, a migration of refugees from the middle class, sort of a middle class uh, migration, which you got from Cuba, for example, at the time of the Castro Revolution? Or were these uh, extremely impoverished refugees? How do they, how do they fit into the spectrum of refugees? They they were extremely poor. Um, nearly a hundred percent of these students were eligible for free or reduced price lunch. Um, they had um, higher rates of. Um, a lack of uh, knowledge of any English, for example, even in comparison to Haitian migrants who would come at, um, under other circumstances other than um, other than the earthquake. So if you were to compare Haitian migrants who arrived in Florida public schools in the years prior, say look at 09, for example, or 08, and even if you were to focus on the set of people arriving at untraditional times of the year, which tends to be people who are more distressed because there was less advanced planning, still uh, rates of English language knowledge were lower for these um, Haitian refugees. Rates of poverty were higher. Um, um, they seemed to be extremely poor people. Well, did they test these students when they came in uh, so that they got a baseline information as to their performance level so they would know exactly what their needs were? What, what, what information do you have about the students upon or within a month of their arrival? So um, the set of some students took the state exam, the FCAT. Um, um, the, there was a directive from the a directive from the state commissioner of education um, saying that schools uh, would not be held accountable for these for uh, for Haitian uh, refugee students. Um, some schools then interpret. It, it was also the directive said that you should test these students if at all possible, but um, but the state was a lot more. Um, the state was um, was very flexible with regard to that. So that said, the set of my, Haitian uh, refugees who were tested were surely positively selected 
from the total set of Haitian refugees who were there, still their performance was abysmal in the, um, within, say, a month and a half to two months of arrival. The FCAP that year was administered in March. The earthquake happened in mid-January. The refugees arrived in late January, early February. So a month to two months after, they they were doing much worse, very, very, very poorly. So can you put a number on that? Was it like a standard deviation lower than the typical student in Florida? Uh, one to one and a half standard deviations lower than the typical student in Florida. Well, that's pretty extreme. That's like about uh, four or six grade levels below, mm-hmm. right? So did they ever... I know you followed them at least for one year beyond that. Um, did did they did they catch up at all? Do they do you see any any noticeable gains among the refugees? Yeah, the refugees actually followed uh, the path that we often see for um, uh, generally see rather for immigrants um, um, of all socioeconomic levels, which are. Um, Rapid move, rapid improvements relative to uh, relative to natives. So I don't have the numbers in, directly in front of me right now, but the um, but Haitian Haitian refugees within a couple of years of arrival had made up half of the gap between where they started and uh, and the Florida average student. Well, that could have been just because they were now more familiar with the English language, right? They probably had that knowledge somewhere, at least some of it already, but they were not able to communicate it as well in English as they were a little bit later on. Would you sort of guess that might be part of what's going on? Here? I'm sure that's probably the case. Um, one of the things that we have seen, actually Umut and I have seen in other research that we've done, is that there tends to be more convergence, uh, steeper convergence paths among non-refugee immigrants who, for whom English is not their first language versus those for whom English is their first language. Um, and um, so I th- my, my best judgment is it was probably a combination. Part of it was development of English language skills. Um, part of it was, uh, part of it was um, increased understanding of the American educational system. Uh, Part of it was um, um, a increase. Part of it was um, uh, increased opportunities to to get more out of school. I think A and B are probably more likely than C. Quite honestly. Well, this is all great news. America is still the land of opportunity. It is the they uh, give us your your poor, your struggling, as they say uh, on the Statue of Liberty. All that is great, but then. I know your main question was, what, at what cost? What cost was it to the students who were already here, the taxpayers of Florida, who were sending their children to school and expecting them to learn in school? Did this attention to the needs of uh, refugees, no matter how uh, much our heart goes out to them, did this come at a cost? What's your, what's your evidence on that? The best evidence we can find was it seemed like there was no no educational cost uh, for the um, for the incumbent students. None. None. We couldn't. We could find um, every once in a while there might have been a tiny negative point estimate, but for every negative estimate we would find, we found a lot more positives. 
But if you look so at... So what did you look at specifically when you say mini estimates? Sorry. What were some of the different estimates? We here? looked at test scores. We looked at um, attendance. Um, we looked at um, uh, suspensions uh, um, for students. And we tried lots of different ways of slicing and dicing the data. We wanted to make sure... I feel like whenever you find a zero as you're finding, it's incumbent upon the researcher to really make sure that that wasn't a fortuitous zero. Um, so we broke it down into all sorts of different subgroups, for example, um, where we were looking, for example, at um, maybe it was Haitian Creole speaking American uh, born children um, or Haitian Creole speaking Haitian immigrants who came prior, or maybe it was African-American students, or maybe it was black African students, or maybe a Latino or white, Amer white students. Um, we looked over all these different, diff different racial and language groups. We looked based on uh, kids' socioeconomic, um, kids socioeconomic status. Because we were able to link these data to uh, birth records, we had parental education levels. Um, whenever you looked across all these different demographic groups, we never could find evidence of a negative. Then we also did things like looked at school, um, uh, school type. Did you, would you find negatives, for example, in differentially in places where there were lots of Haitian incumbents versus few Haitian incumbents, for example, we couldn't find anything. It was basically, if anything, we, we found small positives rather than, rather than negatives. Um, obviously, so this is distressing yeah. to a researcher, isn't it? When you, you, when you look and look and look and can't find anything, don't, don't, don't you feel like you've failed somehow? Oh, I don't think it's distressing. I think it's... I, no, maybe I, it's good news, right? Maybe it's uh, yeah. good news. That, I mean, I, I that, think... That somehow the, the schools are really able to handle a crisis, that they have a structure, a system in place that can handle an unusual situation. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? I think the other possibility is that the children who are attending these schools are just resilient. They... Um, they were able to, I think it could be a combination of schools and the teachers um, in those schools. It could be, a com uh, it could be the kids. Um, we don't know exactly what was going on um, in, these, in these schools, but it seemed like, just like there's the research, in mounting research evidence to say that immigrants in general don't hurt incumbent kids. And actually, in general, it looks like the best identified estimates might even say that immigrants benefit incumbent kids um, because of the positive selection. Um, uh, the positive selection we're observing on um, uh, in terms of um, unmeasured, unmeasured things, such as who were the people who had the wherewithal to make it to the United States, even if they were very low income. Maybe these are people with extraordinarily motivated parents, for example. If the Haitian refugees who made it to, the, to Florida were people who, despite their extreme poverty, had, um, had families who really highly valued education, maybe any disruption that the incumbent kids were facing was offset by, um, by exposure to a set of 
kids from those types of families. We don't know the answer to that, but... So it could yeah. have been that the immigrant students were really great kids to have at school. It could have been that the incumbent students that had been there a long time were just able to accommodate newcomers. Yeah. And it could have been that the teachers in the administration knew how to facilitate, or it could have been some combination of all of these things. You really don't know at this point. But yeah. So what is your policy recommendation? So I think my policy recommendation from here is there are plenty of good reasons to be um, to be interested in limitations on immigrants, but it seems and or refugees in particular because that was the topic of this particular study. However, um, my best my best guess, based on this research at least, is that one of the arguments that gets put forward, that is, that refugees, uh, at least in the types of numbers we're talking about, will come and swamp the incumbent students, just seems to be a red herring. Um, so if that's the reason that people are concerned about refugees, I think they can sleep a lot better. Um, there are other reasons you might be concerned about refugees, and this research doesn't speak to that. Well, David, this is a fascinating study. I think it's a really important study, and uh, it's such good news that I suppose it will not make the front page of the newspaper. But uh, thank you very much for joining me today on the Education Exchange. Thanks for having me. This is Paul Peterson. Uh, the Education Exchange is available every Monday at noon on the Education Next website. An article by David Figlio and Umit Ozek entitled Influx of Haitian Refugees in Florida Didn't Hurt Student Outcomes is available on the Education Next website. Thank you, David, for joining me on the Education Exchange. My pleasure. Thanks.